Oh, I'm so excited. <laughs> I'm like actually genuinely so pumped. Okay. All right. Are we ready, kids? Ah! <laughs> Hi, I'm Beth. And I'm Jamie. Welcome to Driver Picks the Podcast. Where I pick the podcast. And I shot my cake hole. And welcome to season two, episode one. Uh, so this episode is titled In My Time of Dying. Jamie, what did you think? Why wasn't John the one dying? It says, in my time of dying, my should have referred to John. You just wanted John to die. Well, you did get your wish. By the end of the episode, he is deceased. So that's actually how the episode ends. Yeah. Yeah. Spoilers. <laughs> no one's seen it. No, I mean that John should have been the one in the fucking coma. Because he was shot with the gun that kills anything. And also, he was on the side of the car that got hit by the fucking truck. Look, plot, plot, plot. Convenience, convenience, convenience. Supernatural, supernatural, supernatural. So, like, Bloody Mary? Yeah. Say it three times and an incoherent plot appears. If you say Dean Winchester three times and Amira and Jensen Ackles appears and yells at you. <laughs> Alright, so, into season two. Other than John not immediately dying, is there anything else you wanted to mention about the episode? Or is this going to be a really short... <laughs> this is going to be really short. I'm just... Look, I'm, I'm still on John not dying. John creates more problems than he solves. Yeah, generally. Like, he should have died. He was on the side that got hit by the truck. He'd been shot at the time. How the fuck is he awake and walking while Dean's still in a coma? How? I assume it's because Dean was so badly injured by the yellow-eyed demon before they were in the the car accident because John got shot in the leg but like Dean was like pretty much incapacitated we don't really know what the demon was doing to him there was just lots of blood and like all sorts of shit going on with him so I assume we're supposed to know that Dean is more injured with than John to start with yeah but John got shot with a gun <laughs> that kills anything yeah look I don't have an answer for you <laughs> what I will say though about the like opening scene uh, where the demon who was driving the truck comes around to the Impala to check the damage. I really love the use of the Bad Moon Rising, like the song that's playing in the background. I just, I really like it. I thought it was like a nice, it's a really good song for one, but also I thought that it was kind of like, it's almost jaunty. And I kind of like thought that it was just a, a nice use. I don't know if you even noticed or no, enjoyed I it at notice. all, but I really like the song and I really like, sort of the lyrics were appropriate and I um I really like the uh the contrast of when they've got quite a jaunty happy song and like a terrible thing is happening on screen I personally find that quite fun yeah I don't know I just really like the use and I just wanted to point it out and they are showing off their brand spanking new season two budget with a helicopter and the, the brightest scene of the entire <laughs> yeah. show so far and the power of the sun yeah <laughs> and this is what I mean like that scene is sort of what some of the other scenes could have been. You know what I mean? Mm. Like, a lot of the scenes, like, they could have used the sunlight more effectively, but instead they put over, the like, filters. all of these filters. And, like, I think that was really, like, it was a really nice contrast to go from, like, the... Dark the, of the crash. Dark of the crash, the middle of the night, like... To the blaring sun. To the blaring sun, where it's still, like, this unsettling scene of, like, these people getting... Like, well, not these people. Dean, <laughs> John, and Sam getting taken away by the helicopter. Yeah. But it's, like, in the bright of day. Yeah. Like, and it's... 
unsettling because you don't know who's going to live, who's going to die, like what's going to happen moving forward. Yeah. At this point, we only know Sam's alive. Yes. The other two is like, we don't know. Yeah. But to go, like, and it's sort of like, it's that nice contrast of like, it's so bright and airy. Like, it looks like a lovely day. Like, yeah. the sort of day you'd love to go and have a picnic. Yeah. But yeah. also at the end of the day, like, it's undercut with this tragedy. Mm. And I think that's something they could have used more effectively in the first season. Yeah. To me, it was like, oh, like, this is what they could have done. Like, instead, they took scenes that would have been this bright and they put a filter over them to make them look darker. Yeah. Like, yeah. sorry, what? <laughs> Speaking of contrast with season one, um, there are a couple of things about this episode in particular that I wanted to, like, mention and just see your thoughts on. Um, obviously, we haven't really had an episode before where they've been in a hospital and it's not been them, like, pretending to be the CDC or something. Um, in... Or being in a hospital and immediately leaving under doctor's orders. Yeah, yeah. So Sorry, against doctor's orders. <laughs> yeah. In, obviously, this episode, basically the entirety of the episode um, happens within the hospital setting. And I wanted to talk about the fact that this means that Dean in particular, who this episode is not about, but, like... It's, it's Dean-focused. It's Dean... Like, his perspective is kind yeah. of used as the audience's perspective because he's, like, invisible in most of the scenes. Ghost Dean. Ghost Dean, yeah. Ghost Dean. Kind of, like, the audience is invisible in yeah. the scenes. And so, you know, he gets to sort of eavesdrop on conversations and, and things. There's a really fun bit they do with that where he goes, surely he can get some, like, witch doctor who Yeah. <laughs> and then Sam's like, surely there's some witch doctor who do yeah. who we can try on him. I kind of love that. Also, that kind of leaves it up to either they're just so similar in terms of their, like, thought processes that they both came up with the exact same dialogue or... That's, like, part of Sam's psychic, like, Abilities. ability that he, like, somehow picked up on that. Because he does even mention to John in the episode he could, like, sense that yeah. Dean's energy was around. To be fair, that was um, when Dean was, like, dying. And yeah. then he went and attacked the Reaper. Yeah. And I also love uh, the reference to Ghost Whisperer again. And yeah. Dean being like, come on, dude. Like, you're the psychic, you know. You should be able to see me. You should be able to hear me. But back to the point I was going to make. Wait, you had a point? I have. I, I never have a point. I have, like, multiple points. Holy shit. I know. A brand new venture for me. <laughs> um, so I wanted to talk about, because obviously Dean, throughout this episode, is basically just wearing a white t-shirt and blue, like, trackies, essentially. He's not even wearing shoes. It's one of the few times throughout the majority of the show where he's only wearing, like, one layer and to me, it makes him look so vulnerable. And I think that really, like, plays well into how he's how he is in this episode. Because he is the most vulnerable, really, physically we've ever seen him. He's literally on the brink of death. And, you know, usually he's got, like, layers and layers. And he's got the big jacket and, like, the big boots. And, like, in this episode... The entire way through, he's just soft t-shirt, soft pants, like... I think it's also something that the costume department did that was really smart in terms of, like, the colour choice. Yeah. Like, the white and the and blue. And the blue. Way paler than anything else you see Dean in ever. Because yeah. he typically tends towards, like, Bold dark... and patterns. Dark yeah. colours, like, dark red, dark blue, dark green, dark black, dark brown. Yeah. Like, and... We very rarely see quite him Quite masculine patterns as well in mm. terms of, like, you know, check and tartan. Yeah. And 
but he does just look so vulnerable. Um, and I thought that was really interesting. I also noticed at the very start when he first sort of is wandering through the hospital trying to look for someone, they have this really cool shot, or I like it anyway, where Dean is sort of in this long empty corridor and you have the like red exit sign in like the top left and it sort of becomes the focus of the scene. And I thought that was really interesting because like the sort of topic of the episode is whether or not Dean is going to pass on and we kind of assume he won't, but it's sort of like the exit sign shows up a lot throughout the episode and I don't know if it's an American thing in Australia the exit signs are always like green bright green so I don't know if it's like usually they're red in America or if that was like a choice to make it the red in terms of set design like a negative like and also because a lot of the set and like Dean's clothing is the episode is largely white and blue whether they use the red as like a contrasting color I just thought that was interesting yeah because in Australia they're like white and green yeah, pretty like across the board, white and green. Yeah. Red is for fire extinguishers. Yeah. <laughs> the other interesting visual was they did use some really like funky camera angles when he was initially coming down the stairs into like the lobby of the hospital. And the way they showed his disorientation. Yeah, a disorientation is the word I was thinking. And like the abnormality of the whole situation. Like, you know, something is off about the scenario purely just because of the camera angle. Like, the camera angles are weird. And I think it was a really interesting choice, especially because generally across the board of the first season, the camera angles sort of stayed pretty stable and consistent. There were only a very few occasions where they did anything particularly different. But this is so different and compared even to the rest of the show. And even when the camera angles decided to do something different, it was very rarely like, oh, the camera's at a different angle. It was more like, the way they've done the setting behind and the set design yeah. is different. The way and they're moving through the set rather it's like than... a framing choice versus a angle choice. Yeah. So I just thought that those sort of three things compounding right at the start of the episode was just a really interesting way to open and a good way to set the tone for the next 35 minutes. Okay, let's talk about logistics for a second. Okay. You're, you're up for this discussion? I'm so ready for this discussion. So... In the scene after they've been hit by the truck. Yeah. The demon who's been driving the truck. Uh-huh. He, Sam threatens him with the gun. Mm-hmm. The cult. That can kill anything. So it should have killed John. Yeah. Regardless. <laughs> and so Sam has the gun in his hand to threaten the demon. Yes? Yes. We can agree on that. Yep. Yes. When he is then asked by John where the gun is, he says it's in the trunk of the car. Oh. How the fuck did the gun get from in his hands to into the trunk of the car? <laughs> the EMTs they're like hey can you just like <laughs> can you please put this in the boot <laughs> but like I, I just want to yeah. know how it got there because if that's a great question it's literally it never was, occurred to me like Sam's clearly holding it to threaten this demon how did like it would have been really easy for the demons just to possess an EMT and steal the gun that's also true like obviously if it was in the trunk the demons couldn't steal the gun because it's like the, the lockbox the lockbox the traps etc yeah that have been inscribed on the trunk. So yeah. they couldn't have gotten into the trunk. But how, like, do you think after they got hit by the truck, Sam was just, like, limping out and, like, put the gun in the boot of the car? Like, Maybe. Considering they moved him to the hospital in a neck brace, <laughs> maybe not. Um, potentially. Or did he, like, just turn around and, like, lob it over his shoulder? But I don't think that works. That would only he go in the got, back like, seat. 
Yeah, he, he's, he's like he's not in like a, on the way through. <laughs> he's not in like a hatchback or anything. Like it's not all connected. Like yeah, the only other thing is like maybe the guy who hit them. Maybe Sam was like, "Hey, dude, seeing as you've just you know pretty severely injured me and both of my immediate family members, would you mind doing me this favor of taking this very priceless antique gun and putting it in the boot over there for me, like?" And then when he hands over the guns, what's to stop a the demon, demon just from repossessing? Yeah, no, I've got no idea. That's actually a very good question. And especially because we know that the Impala got taken to like a scrapyard because mm. later in the episode, Sam and Bobby go to collect like it. it. Mm. So it's obviously been moved from the scene of the crash. So yeah, I, I literally have no idea. That's a great point. Maybe we should at the writers on Twitter and find out. But but yeah, it's like, because the last time we see the gun, it is like immediately after the crash when Sam threatens the driver. And then he says it's in the boot of the car, and then it doesn't make sense to me how the fuck it got there. How it got there? Yeah, because it was clearly, obviously, at the end of the day, in the boot of the car. Because they managed to recover it. Because if it wasn't in the boot of the car, there's no reason that the demons wouldn't have stolen it. And John couldn't have had it. Yeah. At the end of the episode, when Sam had returned it to him. Yes. Yeah, that is a bizarre continuity error. I have no idea how you would fix that. I feel like that just gets also filed into the plot, 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 convenience, 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 supernatural <laughs> uh, folder and sort of disregarded. Like, it's only a little thing, but also it kind of... It's actually quite a big thing. Like, it, it seems little, but when you start to think about it, it's like, actually, yes, that makes no fucking sense. How is that possible? Because maybe the implication is meant to be that Sam put it there, but also, like... Sam didn't look like he was in much of a position no. to do fucking anything. Yeah. Although it does seem like there was a big amount of time between the actual crash and the EMTs because it's like broad daylight. See, because that's never even occurred to you, has it? No. And I've watched this show, like, I've watched that episode twice since I last saw you. Yeah. Because I really wanted to watch it after last week and then I needed to watch it again so I could take notes. While we're talking about the top end of the episode, um, I just want to point out that the title card has changed. We get not that maybe you know this, but we do get a new title card every season. I skipped uh, it. Oh, you skipped it. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, so if you didn't know, for season one, it was like the flashy in and out blue. No. Was it? Yeah. It was a flashy blue vibe. I thought it was like fire looking. Fire looking is number two. Oh, so maybe I saw the first one and I skipped all the ones in the first. Yeah. So the title card of every season is kind of like indicative somehow of like the plot overall. So we get like the fire this season and it's, because a lot of the plot is going to be about, obviously, from season one leading into, like, the psychic children. We've had a lot of illusions. So, you know, a lot of the things that you tie them together, like, so far we've seen is, like, the fires that killed their parents. So having the fire is, like, symbolic of this season. Whereas having the, like, flashy in and out blue, I feel like maybe they just, that was just what they came up with for the original title card. And, like, following seasons, like, it was always fun coming into a new season of Supernatural. We would, like, get the title card and then we'd be, like, make predictions based on the title card, what we thought the focus of the coming season was going to be about. So I just wanted to make Point notes. Point out the new title card. Make note. We have a new title card and it is all full of fire and a pentagram. So... That's a choice. That's fun. <laughs> um, anyway, I just kind of wanted to point that out just in case you didn't notice or in case you didn't realize that there was like a significance to it. But generally speaking, yeah, the title card is sort of indicative of the like the focus of the next following season or the current season, rather. Okay. I've got a question for you. Okay. Yeah. I know how you love our girl power characters. Yeah. 
vibes on Tessa the Reaper. She has a name? Yeah, she introduces herself. Okay, I didn't realise that was her actual name. Well, that's how... That's how you... It's she's referred to. Okay. That's Tessa. That's okay. I was like, I'm not going to bother learning her name because, like, she's just a Reaper. I figured that was just to set... Oh, okay. Dina. Yeah. <laughs> so it wasn't actually her name. And I was like, okay. Well, I don't know how else to refer to her. You don't? But... Okay. <laughs> yeah. Tessa the Reaper. Vibes on her? Yeah. I feel like she does have some really iconic moments. She does. I love when... Uh, She's pretending to just be like a normal person and Dean's like, if she says to Dean, I just came in for an appendectomy and he's like, I think there were some complications. <laughs> like, There's also a moment where she goes, uh, well, you saw my true form and you flipped out. Like, what's a girl supposed to think? Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, she's a lot of fun. And I guess I really like her as a character. I think kudos to the actress who plays her because she could be quite an intimidating character. But her job is to be supportive. Yeah. Like, she, her job is to help guide spirits on um, and convince them that they're better off not lingering. And I think that the way she presents Tessa is very true to that. But yeah, so I was interested to see, like, what you thought about her. Or maybe, like, now that we've seen sort of a Reaper in its natural habitat compared to, like, the Reaper that we had in uh, Season 1 in Faith. Like, maybe if you had any thoughts about Reapers in general. There wasn't really a Monster of the Week this episode, no. so but I thought it would be interesting to sort of compare. So, I don't know, like, I think... I didn't have any real remarkable thoughts about the Reaper. Mm. It was like, okay, but I will say that I did think they were going to try to pull, like, some of the control tactics that they pulled in Faith, mm. in terms of, like... All I could think was, like, time to pull out the dog leash for the Great White Shark. Yeah. You know... I was like, maybe, considering they introduced reintroduced the Reapers, I was like, maybe they're going to pull out... That would be the solution to saving the... Dean. Yeah. Yeah. In the end, the solution they did come up with was even more horrifying. <laughs> I feel so sorry for the Reaper mm. being possessed by a demon. That is just... Fucked up. Fucked up. She's just trying to do her goddamn job. Yeah, and she was doing her job very well. And then John had to go and fuck it up. Mm, bloody John, never telling anyone what he's fucking up to. I don't agree with John's decision to trade his life for Dean's. Mm, and the cult as well. And the cult as well. Honestly, it was a shitty decision. Just a shitty decision. Like, generally. I mean, he should already he should have been the one to die. Anyway. In the first place, yeah. But to really swap your life for your sons and then also leave them without any of the protection or direction or direction or knowledge that you have accumulated about what you're fighting it's like they're gonna fucking die anyway yeah well this comes back to what we've said the last few episodes of season one which was that john is putting them in danger by only giving them part of the information and now he's like dead abandoned them completely mm -hmm. still only with part of the information and also because John was possessed, John knows a shit ton more about the demon's plan than he's saying to either of his sons. Not even just because he was possessed, because yeah. I don't think that... I think the way the demon could get knowledge from John by possessing him, I don't think it's a two-way street. Like, it, the demon I mean, can allow him in. Yeah. But and it's... I think the demon actually did allow him in and give him more knowledge than... He's letting on. He's letting on. It's just like the way that um, Meg let her human vessel see, bits and, see bits and pieces. I think that kind of ties in nicely towards the very end of the episode. John goes to see his sons for what he knows will be the last time. 
He makes it's an ex- not though, is it? He makes an excuse for Sam to leave the room. I'm not going to comment on that because it's supernatural and anything can happen, and I don't want to let you know one way or the other. But in any case, he makes an excuse for Sam to leave the room, and he has an interaction with Dean, which I think it's one of these things where you know how you said you didn't want John to have like a redemption, yeah, last night. It kind of feels like that's what they were going for, but it honestly makes me like his character less. Yeah. Because he essentially, I noted down part of what he said because I wanted to make sure it was sort of true to form. He basically says to Dean, like, you know, when you were a kid, I'd come home for a hunt and after what I'd seen, I'd be wrecked. And you'd look me in the eye and put your hand on my shoulder and you'd say, like, it's okay, dad. And, you know, and John apologizes and he says... I should have been saying that to you. I put too much on your shoulders. I made you grow up too fast. Like, you took care of Sam. You took care of me. You know, and I'm proud of you. And again, Dean knows something's wrong because John would never fucking say this shit under normal circumstances. I thought John was possessed again, honestly. Well, Dean even says, is this you? Like, because probably same thoughts occurred. And it really is upsetting that it takes... The fact that John knows he's going to die for him to admit these things to Dean and thank him for what he's done and to tell him he's proud of him. And to the point where Dean knows something is wrong because he would never say this stuff normally. And it also kind of confirms everything that we sort of inferred from season one about Dean's role in the family dynamic. But then he goes from that to whispering something in Dean's ear, which... The audience is currently not privy to. Obviously, Sam is not privy to. I was wondering if you had any ideas what it might be. Because we know through the episode, like, John says to Sam, you know, I don't know what the demon means when he says he has plans for you and the other children. But Dean says, having watched the interaction and seeing John after Sam leaves the room, he says, that's, you know, you do know something. You're just not saying it. I was just wondering what you think about that situation. I think that John told Dean why these children had been targeted and what they had been targeted for. Obviously not the whole story because he didn't sit there and chat to him for 10 minutes. But I think he gave Dean information about the purpose of creating all these orphans, essentially. And even the demon mentions to John, um, you know, you know the truth about Sam. You know, you've known for a while, but Sam doesn't know. So... Obviously, there's something there that maybe now Dean knows that Sam still doesn't know. About himself. About himself. So, essentially, that scene for me is John admitting that he burdened Dean too much as a child and that he didn't, he wasn't there enough. supportive father figure, he instead. And so he, like, acknowledges that and then immediately burdens him even more by giving him this clearly significant knowledge that for some reason he has kept from Sam. And it's this and like frustrating that is, turn of events. <laughs> and the fact that he's kept it from Sam implies to me that it's something that if Sam knew... It wouldn't be good. It wouldn't be good. It would be something that would impact Sam negatively, whether that's Sam himself or it would change his behaviour so that it would impact other people negatively. Mm. Speaking of Sam, through this episode, we get 
a lot of interaction between John and Sam where Dean can't intervene between the two. Or he's trying to intervene between the two, but he's just stuck and kind of has to just watch them fight. I was kind of just wondering if you had, like, anything you wanted to say about, like, that dynamic, about, like, what it would look like if Dean wasn't around for those two characters. I mean, it looks much the same as when Dean is around. Yeah. <laughs> mostly ignore Dean anyway. Yeah. Even when Dean is around, like, John still argues with Sam and Sam still argues with John. It just lasts longer because there's nobody there to break it up. Yeah. No, that's fair. While we're talking about John. Yeah. I just want to, like, reflect on the fact that he already has one major problem. Mainly his son has died. Yeah. He and seems he's like not to care that much about that. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, I'm immediately going to start, like, a new problem. I'm going to create a new problem. Molotov cocktail. Molotov cocktail. <laughs> but, like, in a bad way. Yeah. So I, I think it's really interesting that his immediate thought is not, I'm going to reach out to my contacts to see if there is a way to help my son. It is, I don't know, I'm going to make a deal with the fucking devil. Yeah. The fuck? Yeah. Why does he think that's a good idea? Look. <laughs> In this week's episode of John is Stupid. Yeah. This episode and the last two of season one as well, we spent a lot of time, like, dragging on John, basically, for being a shitty parent and particularly the way he treats Dean in particular. But, yeah, like, it... You know, and Sam says in the episode, like, you know, we'll find something and, and John makes the point of, like, look, that was a one in a million, but it's like... Well, how do you know that? You haven't even tried. Like, yeah. you didn't even think vampires were around, bro. I think. <laughs> like, you how seem much a little oblivious. Would the season have been if they just turned Dean into a vampire? Mm. A la Twilight. A la Twilight. <laughs> yeah. I would watch the fuck out of that show. And also, again, like. Demon Hunter Vampire Dean. Oh, I love that. On that as well, because John doesn't fucking communicate. And doesn't tell anyone anything. He keeps asking about the cult. He keeps asking about things for the demon. And rightfully so. Sam is pretty fucking pissed. Because he's like, your son is dying. And you all you care about is this fucking demon. All you care about is this stupid gun. I actually have the exact Sam quote. You ready? I'm ready. You care more about killing this demon than saving your own son. Yeah, exactly. And... You know, and then John, like, later on in the episode, he... And John gets so shitty about that. It's like, but what do you think? Like, what are you expecting Sam to think? Yeah. The things you are asking for, because this is just after he's requested all the things from Bobby. Yeah. And Bobby's like, nah, man, this is for fucking summoning a demon. Yeah. Like, what is Sam meant to think? Mm, exactly. Is Sam meant to know that you're summoning the demon to trade your life for fucking Dean's? Like, and to trade the cult, the one thing that promises you... Any sort of fucking revenge or closure or yeah. retribution or even hell, just to stopping women from getting murdered on fucking ceilings. Yeah. Like, how is he meant to be like, oh, yes, that's what my father is doing. He's summoning the demon not to try and kill it again, the thing that's put me and my brother in this situation in the first place, mm -hmm. but so that he can make a deal to save my brother. Because that seems like totally yeah. even in balance. I'm like... I, I understand that, like, if John had told Sam what he was planning, Sam obviously would have had problems with it. But, like... <laughs> if Sam had... If John had told Sam what he was planning on doing, 
and Sam had problems with it, they are valid problems. Yeah. But, like, like they could have still, like, talked about it. And then John says, like, after he's made the deal and, you know, he goes into the room to see Dean alive and he knows this is the last opportunity he has to speak to his kids. And Sam immediately picks a fight, which is par for the course. Yeah. And John says, like, can we just not fight? Can we not fight? And it's like, you get it, because he knows that this is the last interaction. He doesn't want it to be an argument. That's fair enough. But he says, half the time we're fighting and I don't even know why. And I'm like, bro, it's because you're an asshole and you don't explain anything ever. And you expect them just to listen to you because they're your kids. Like, the reasons are right there. You just like to ignore them. (laughs) You know? And it's like, fuck, it's so annoying. He's so infuriating as a character. It's like, bro, look in the mirror. It's not that difficult. Like, Sam is telling you why he's mad at you, and you're just choosing to ignore him. Like, that's not on Sam. That's on you. Yeah, exactly. And then it's like, I don't even know why we're fighting. And it's like, that's cause for an argument as well. You know? You're fighting because you're a shitty parent who doesn't fucking care. Yeah. And it's it's hard because, like, you could argue that he cares because he's willing to, like, sacrifice himself and the weapon, like, their chance against the demon to save Dean. Like, you could argue that that is him but showing also, that he cares. he's ultimately condemning Dean and Sam to death anyway. Yeah. Because Dean and Sam are not prepared to face this demon because he hasn't shared anything that he knows about this demon with either one of them. And has now given away their one weapon. That would potentially work against the fucking demon. Yeah. Like... It's just, and like I said, like he's John also... John is stupid. Yeah. That's, that's my new tagline. John, <laughs> John is fucking stupid. Um, and like I said earlier, like he's also given Dean this information, which clearly has weight, you know, and like that's another burden. And then he's gone and died, which is like one of the big fears through the whole first season is that John is dead, is one of their major concerns. And then he's gone and just made it a reality. Yeah, it's just... Uh, it's just, it's, there's a lot to talk about with John in these last few episodes. And I'm kind of, this sounds a bit stupid, but I'm kind of glad that he's dead because it means that we're not going to have the same conversations over and over and over and over again. Because uh, it does it does reach a point where it feels a little bit circular um, with yeah. John. They kind of hit the same nail on the head over and over and over. They really drive it home. Essentially, every conversation we've had so far boils down to John is a shitty parent who overburdens Dean and refuses to support either of his sons and refuses to give them the knowledge they need to have any sort of hope in hell. Yeah. And it is kind of nice to see that because Dean is sort of shown, and I said in earlier episodes, like, to Dean, John is kind of God. Like, what John says is law, you can't. And you can't dispute it. There's no arguing with it. Like, what he says goes. And we see that very strongly when they first get the call from John and the earlier half of the season one, um, you know, and we see him kind of standing up more and more as the season goes on, particularly in the last two episodes of season one. And it is nice when, obviously, Dean is sort of there as, like, this spirit essence, not really a ghost, not really not a ghost, Mm -hmm. like a consciousness, I guess, and he's sort of in the background and no one can see him and he's watching Pre-ghost. John. Pre-ghost. That's a good way to put it. Um, he's watching John watch his body, essentially, in the hospital. 
And Dean kind of gets to confront him in a way that he wouldn't if they were actually having a conversation. Like if Dean and John were actually going to sit down, this is probably not a conversation that they would have. Oh, and I'll point out, it is Dean's theme again playing through this scene. But he says, you haven't called a soul for help. You haven't tried. Like, aren't you going to do anything? Aren't you going to say anything? And I actually wrote down, like, he says, I've done everything you've ever asked me. Everything. I've given everything I've ever had. And you're just going to sit there and watch me die. What the hell kind of father are you? A bad one. A bad one. Exactly. But it's really nice to see Dean acknowledge that actually John is a bad parent and he doesn't deserve the treatment that John gives him. I think that's really important for him to recognize because up until like sort of the latter half of season one, we kind of get the impression that Dean like idolizes John. We can fit so many self-esteem issues in this bad boy. Yeah. Yeah. You know, John Winchester looked at that four year old and went, is anyone going to traumatize this kid? And didn't ask any more questions. Like, you know, yeah, I'm imagining like a used car salesman, like tap, <laughs> like slapping the like trunk of a car being like, mm-hmm. can fit so many goddamn self-esteem issues in this kid. I can fit so much trauma in here. Yeah. And then I love the like contrast as well of like John, who's seemingly, he's like concocting this plan in his head, but he's not going to like try and get any other help or like try anything else. And then there's Sam who goes out and buys a Ouija board just on like the off chance that maybe he can like, get some insight from Dean about his actual situation. Ooh, the Ouija board. Let's talk about that. Let's talk Ouija about... Ouija boards work in the supernatural universe. Apparently. <laughs> Is this ever... Like, do we ever see a Ouija board again? I think so. Nothing that, like, sticks out really aggressively in my mind, but I'm pretty sure we do. Do they consistently work? Like, a Ouija board's proven science fact in the supernatural <laughs> universe. Proven science fact. I don't know about that. Um, I don't remember specifically enough to give you a definitive answer, but I'm pretty sure we do see them used again. I think in like a uh, Monster of the Week type Context. setting. Yeah. Yeah. But I love that he I love that he went out and bought a Ouija board. I just think that's so also, funny. Also, he just straight up leaves the Ouija board sitting on, on the, the floor. floor. Yeah. Like, what? <laughs> Can you imagine being like a cleaner or like a, like a nurse just coming in to check vitals and you're like, huh, that's a choice. <laughs> but like he doesn't even like... It doesn't even get put on like a side table or something. Like I know it's just it on is the floor. left on the floor. Yeah, like not a tripping hazard at all. Like and in the middle of the floor too. Like they do like like there's the shot of like Dean in the bed and they like pull back and it's like just sitting yeah on the floor like by the end of the bed like yeah. just the just hanging out the middle of the floor yeah it's a choice yeah no I as if you wouldn't just like put it away though I know it's like you have the box it's right there Sam God damn it. Some men never learn to pick up after themselves. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, his mum's in a coma, so no one's there to tell him to clean up. Um, no, I Even love that. Even Ouija boards all over the floor. Yeah. Um, I also loved the little uh, Dr. Kripke uh, when they do the announcement yeah. over the PA system. I did hear that one. I was like, oh, Dr. Kripke. I thought that was fun. Little shout out. Little shout out. One other thing that I thought was really cool and kind of ties into what you were saying, you were looking for in terms of like exploring the lore of Supernatural Mm -hmm. in season two um, is we get a little bit more insight into how uh, angry spirits are created. Yeah. Um, But also we even get more insight into like Reapers and that. 
Yeah, yeah, like, they've really come in strong with some like death lore, actually. Their true form and that, because I didn't realize when I first saw the like Reaper in this episode, I'm like, we've seen a Reaper, they look like human. Yeah, humanoid, yeah. Yeah, like maybe like a little pale, maybe like gaunt. Gaunt, but like still ultimately humanoid, human. yeah. Yeah, like you wouldn't know there were a Reaper just from f- first glance and. Dean doesn't actually know it's a Reaper from first glance. Yeah. Um, but then, like, they have an alternate form mm. that looks like like a, a ghost. ghost, but like a bad Halloween costume yeah. like ghost. <laughs> Though the costuming of the Reaper was really good. I yeah. I I didn't mind the effects they used for like the floating form of the Reaper, but it did kind of give me like like sheet ghost Halloween vibes. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like all white and pale and like. Flowing the grey the grey tones yeah. and I quite like that they don't paint Reapers as villains. They like and I think Sam even says like it's it's sort of like natural habitat. Like mm. they're just a natural part of the cycle of life and death. I kind of like that they're not kind of governed by the notion of good or bad. They just kind of are. And I do think it's interesting, like, you know, she says that her job is to help spirits like move on. And she does say that, you know, it is a choice. You can choose to stay, but the consequences of that are that you're going to be here stranded by yourself for eternity. You'll probably go insane. You move on now or you don't move on. Yeah. And And that's you, if you, you either die the hero or live long enough to see yourself become the villain, you know? Yeah. I mean, she also does, she has a line and it's like, she mentions to Dean how he was living on borrowed time anyway. Yeah. And he was. Because he already stopped her from raping him at the... Well, not her specifically, but... Well, it's her true form. But he said it was an organisation, so I figured it would be... Oh, okay. So Tessa is the reaper within the hospital. That's her true form, the grey being. That's Tessa. Yeah. But there are, like, more reapers. There are, like... Like, she's not just one reaper who does the whole earth, you know? Yeah. There's So there's, like, uh... Yeah, uh, but I, I was more so referring to the reaper in the original... Oh, faith in Faith. Yes, yeah. they are different. Yes. I more mean, like, in this episode... Yeah, it's just the her. reaper. Yeah. yeah, yeah. She is the reaper yeah. for this episode. For the hospital, yeah. The only, the only reaper that we see in this episode. Yes. But he had already gotten more time because of the other reaper in Faith. Oh, that's not how I interpreted. But yeah, I guess so. You're right, because he should have died like six months ago. He should have died like six months ago. He's on borrowed time because the pastor's wife forced yeah, the reaper the to runner died instead. give him the runner's life force. Yeah, I so, didn't even think about it that way. I was more thinking because he stopped her from raping him at the start of this episode. No, see, I didn't see it like that. If what he did was truly stopping her from claiming him when it was his time. Yeah. And, like, that was truly his time to die. Mm-hmm. He wouldn't have been able to stop it. Yeah, His soul so. would have been raped. Regardless. Regardless. He still would have died. So she's It's l- just whether his soul moved on or not. So you're kind of saying that, like, she let him stop the raping, but to come at it from a different angle. Yes. Rather than, okay, yeah, see, I see what you So, mean. like, he's not on borrowed time... Because he stopped or postponed his death. Yeah. It's still his time to die. It's just not down to, like, the second, if that makes mm, sense. Like, yeah. Okay. No, I see what you're saying. 
he's not on borrowed time. He's in a grace period. Yeah, okay. In terms of, like, her as a Reaper. He's kind of in limbo at the moment. He's in limbo at the moment. And he's not technically dead yet, so it is not borrowed time yet. Yeah, but the sort of six months that he's had. But the six months that he's had that he was not meant to have are borrowed time because they were directly borrowed from somebody else. Yeah. Who is now dead because he got given their time. The Faith a healer. I don't even think of it that way. You didn't even think of it that way. No, it's never like I. I've always interpreted it as he was supposed to die when she originally tried to reap him, and it was him, like pulling her, like grabbing her, that like interrupted it, and that's where the borrowed time started from. Because she was like, "Well, I'm gonna come at this from a different angle." I never considered that it was the si- sort of six months from faith, but that actually does make a lot of sense. So there you go. Let's make new every day. Um, wow, I finally got a take that surprised you. <laughs> You've had a few, actually. But that one, yeah, that one definitely I've never thought of from that angle before. And it is really interesting. And it does kind of raise the, obviously, like, through the series, there's, like, a lot of, like, near-death experiences and things. Like, you can imagine with the lifestyle and the idea of running on borrowed time it kind of is, like, an ongoing theme. So it's interesting to think that it started in season one. Like, you know, that he's on borrowed time already. I was wondering, do you think right before the yellow-eyed demon interrupted their conversation... Does the yellow-eyed demon ever actually get a name or do we just refer to it as the yellow-eyed demon? He does get a name. Okay, so it's just... I keep having to remind remind myself not to use it. Um, So he, yeah, interrupts the conversation and possesses her and sort of puts Dean back in his body. Do you think Dean would have gone with her or do you think he would have stayed behind? I think he would have gone with her. Yeah, I think so too. I think he has too much experience with ghosts and hauntings and people who haven't moved on to ever willingly become one himself. Yeah, no, I agree. I only ask because I think up until the point where she gave him that information, I think he would have chosen to stay. Yeah. But from that point, like, I think at the point where they were interrupted, he was about to be like, okay, let's go. Yeah. I think once he realised that his options weren't hang around in limbo in, like, a sort of ghost-like state that's sort of neither really here nor there. It's like, you're basically the same as you were when you were alive, but you just didn't come interact with things now. Yeah. To the reality of if you stay behind, you will be alone for eternity and you will slowly go insane and you will probably eventually hurt hurt people. people. I think he could not justify to himself becoming the monster at the end of the book. You know, like, he couldn't justify staying behind and becoming something that hurts other people for maybe an extra, you know, couple of weeks with his family. Yeah. No, I think I think you're right. I don't think he would have stayed. But I do think that if he didn't have that information, he probably would have stayed just to hold out hope that Sam would find a way to put him back in his body. But I think the idea of it being like, well, if he doesn't, you're going to become the thing that you hunt. Um, I think that that was enough for him to go, look, I don't want to take the chance. Also, the line, when he has been put back in his body, uh, you've got some kind of angel watching over you. I just thought that was funny and worth making note of, even though it doesn't seem relevant at this point in the series. Yeah, well, considering it's... I mean, we've been referring to it as a demon, so I'm assuming it's kind of the demon that actually ended up saving him. 
if it is in fact a demon. Might not be a demon. The yellow-eyed. The yellow-eyed demon. Yeah, no. Um, the... Like, he's the reason that Dean is still alive. Yeah, because he mentions to John that he himself doesn't have the power to put Dean back in his body, mm. but he knows someone who does. And you don't assume that that's like a angelic contact. No. Um, but, yeah, the, the theme of angels watching over Dean in particular is hilariously prominent prior to the concept of angels existing actually as species in the show. And I just think it's quite, um, it's one of those, especially considering I'm sure there's one angel that keeps (laughs) a very close eye on It's one of those coincidences that just seems, it's one of those things where like, it's a throwaway line, but it somehow is beautiful foreshadowing that like they didn't even mean to do. Um, And I just thought it was worth, worth mentioning. Well, it's kind of reoccurring. Like, yeah. the whole, like, angels are watching over you, like, God is watching over you. The like, whole thing in faith about, yeah. um, you know, I'm not really a believer. Oh, you will be, and, you know. Yeah, and there's just so many things that are, like, they just throw away lines from other characters about how, you know, Dean must be touched by angels, essentially. Yeah. And then it's like, well, from what I know, like, a lot of that actually comes, like, partially true. Yeah. Like, at least a little bit, like. Yeah. For me, it's quite funny. And looking back on it, it's like, how did they, how was this unintentional? Especially considering from what I know about like angels and that, like they were never planned to be completely unintentional. Like it was like the writer's strike that forced them to like, yeah. So uh, dig themselves out of a impossible hole with like a gay angel shovel. (laughs) Literally. Yeah. Um, So at this point, to my knowledge, Kripke was very against the concept of angels being in the show at all. So they kind of use, like, these lines are throw away. They're not meant to convey any deeper meaning. But by the time we're getting on to a couple seasons from now, you look back and you're like, huh, you know, it, it feels like it was intentional. It's not. Like, it's accidentally good. It's like they completely stumbled into this perfect foreshadowing and symmetry without even meaning to. The only note I have left is that the shot of the cup falling when Sam sees John's body, just the fact that it lands upright and then the lid falls off and it splashes everywhere, that shot has always just been really pretty to me. I really like it. And also it's got the backing of Dean's theme, which just makes me like it even more. What? I like it. It looks cool. It looks cool. I feel like when Sam actually drops the cup, it looks too, like, on purpose. But, like, the actual shot of it falling and, like, the slow-mo and it hitting the ground and the lid coming up and the stuff going everywhere. Like, and then the... Oh, I I just like it. I think it's pretty. (laughs) I think it's pretty. But that was the only other thing that I wanted to mention. So, did you have anything else? Just my PSA. Oh, yeah, let's hear it. What do you think it is this week? Come on, it's traditional. you got to tell me. God, I need to pay more attention to what I think your PSA might be throughout the episode. Um, don't make demon deals? No. Oh, um, uh, don't burden your children? I don't know. <laughs> What's your PSA? I feel like your guesses are getting worse and worse. I, I'm Like, how did you get don't make demon deals out of this? Like, I get how you got don't Because make... he made a demon deal and it was a stupid idea. But how... In what world is that, like, something that somebody could genuinely do? Jamie, one of your PSAs was don't take bribes to show people dead bodies. 
that is something that could genuinely happen. Okay, but the odds I could of it walk happening... into a morgue tomorrow and try to bribe someone to see a dead body. <laughs> like it is something that a human could do. Okay. <laughs> Doesn't matter if it's weirdly specific. The purpose is it's something that could okay. theoretically could, happen in this what universe. Could theoretically happen in our universe. Okay. Um. Don't bring guns into hospitals. I mean, that is a very good PSA. Thank you. But not what I was going to say. <laughs> so what I was going to say is very, like, it's along the same lines. Oh, okay. Don't be a dick to medical staff. Oh, yeah, that's 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 a good one. I felt like it was apt. They're in the hospital, like... Was anyone in the episode a dick to medical staff? Or is this just a general statement? This is just a general statement. Ah. I see too many people being rude to medical staff. Uh, particularly in our current climate. <laughs> Uh, yeah, no. I think that's a great PSA. Wear your mask properly. Don't be a dick to medical staff. But also don't bring guns into hospitals. Less of a PSA for Australia and more of a PSA for America. In general. Well, yeah. <laughs> um, okay. Well, if that is everything that you wanted to touch on. Yeah. I'm, yeah? Yeah. I'm, how, how are you feeling having watched the first episode of season two? Optimistic? Pessimistic? Otherwise neutral? I just want more information. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it it feels like they're really, like, drawing it out at this point. And I'm a bit like... All right. Well, we will see. Um, How would you rate this episode overall? Uh, I think I'm going to give it, like, three and a half. Okay. So, like, yeah. better than average. Yeah. 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 Cool. Um, Not, like, my favourite episode, but also, like, I really like the Reaper, so she gets extra bonus points. <laughs> Um, so the second episode of season two is called Everybody Loves a Clown. Do you have predictions, thoughts? Oh, I feel like you mentioned that, um, is it Sam is terrified of clowns? Yes. So maybe that's going to be something that emerges. Yeah. (laughs) And like evil killer clown. That could be fun. Evil killer clown circa 2016. Uh. Oh my God. That was when like the It movie was released and they were standing in like cemeteries. Mm -hmm. That's actually not what I was thinking, but like. Killer clowns are, like, a thing. Yeah. I don't know, maybe maybe a demon that's possessing clowns and killing kids? Oh, that's dark. <laughs> it's fucking supernatural. Fuck. You should know by now they don't have the money for the lighting. Uh, oh, my God, I did it! What? I made you rub your eyes like you're exhausted. <laughs> Normally it's me. Normally oh. I'm the one wallowing in existential dread at the end of the episode. Oh, God. All right. I'm done. <laughs> I feel like we really lost over the fact, though, that John made a deal with the demon. Yeah, we were not in touch on that at all, did we? <laughs> I mean, do we want to quickly talk about that? I mean, we can if you want to. Yeah, we probably should, eh? <laughs> like, we, we were like, stupid, bad idea, moving on. Yeah, moving on. Um, we sort of vaguely... And this is like the first demon deal of the entire series. Like, we probably should have covered and that. And we just like, maybe it's a bad idea to leave your sons without any information and or weapon to defend themselves against the demon that like just because they saved Dean doesn't mean the demon's not immediately gonna go and kill Dean again like it's trying to With kill the gun. you once. can you imagine like using the final bullet that could kill him to kill Dean who he just brought back leaving only Sam or oh. oh. and obviously like whatever he's trying to do doesn't depend on these kids having a family yeah like 
Talk about manipulating Sam into a shitty position, eh? Yeah. <laughs> Wait. In Nightmare, uh-huh. right, this is going to be wildly off base. Are you making a prediction? Yeah, I'm going to make it a prediction. I love it when you make predictions. <laughs> Talk predictions to me. <laughs> yeah. I could be Psychic Sam at this point. Oh, Psychic Jamie. Got a nice ring to it. Um, no, what just occurred to me was that maybe this shitty situation mm-hmm. is trying to lead the kids into, like, the territory where they've sinned so that the devil can claim their soul and therefore manipulate them further. What do you mean the territory where they've sinned? So, like, Nightmare, the kid then went on to murder his father, right? Mm -hmm. The kid wouldn't have murdered his father if he had had the mother there who could have gotten him out of the abusive situation with the father. Mm. So, like, it's, like, this case of, like, is he trying to get these kids to, like, murder other people so that he can then fully claim the, their oh, soul and use them as... Them yeah. To make them into demons. Yeah. Because essentially demons are corrupted human souls. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Good theory. It's wrong the way Wait you just acted see. with surprise. It's wrong. <laughs> but... Wait and see. It is a take. Yeah, no, it's a good take. It's a good take. Because, like... Everything he's done to Sam up to this point has basically just pushed him into situations where Sam could make questionable decisions. Like, literally everything he's done so far. Yeah. Has he makes Sam him. emotionally volatile. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like, it's a good theory. I'm, I'm literally not gonna... I'm... Oh, it's so hard, because I don't want to give you any indications. And, like, as soon as you say something, I'm like... <gasps> like, I want to be like, yes, you're right. Or, like, no, you're completely wrong. Or, like, oh, kind of, like... But I can't because <laughs> it defeats the purpose. But yeah, no, I think that's a really cool theory. Uh, keep it in mind as we carry forward. Okay, so I think that just about does it for this week's episode. So as always, if you wanted to get in touch or in contact, you can always find Jamie over on Twitter at DriverPixPod. I personally think it would be fun if you sent her some theories on how the hell the cult ended up in the trunk of the Impala, considering the incredibly... Uh, insightful point she raised in this episode which is that doesn't make any fucking sense um that's me for every episode of supernatural (laughs) alternatively maybe some suggestions on how john could have saved dean without resorting to making a deal with a demon uh which again jamie pointed out questionable i just think you should go and visit bethany at driver picks the podcast on tumblr and like i think you should tell her what you would make a demon deal for. Like, <laughs> what is your heart's truest desire? What are you going to make a deal with the devil for? Like, what are you what trading are you, and what are you getting? What yeah. are you willing to give up for, like, what you want? Yes, sure. Sounds good. Um, anyway, thank you so much for listening, and uh, we'll hear from a, you'll hear from us again next week. Wow, it's like we never go away. Oh, God. We're eternal, just like supernatural. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. Bye.